I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. All right, my lovelies, we have a very special guest and a special episode. We have Dr. Laura Morgan. She is a board certified sports medicine physician, a former professional team doctor, and she has a very similar story to mine. She (laughs) went through pregnancy and postpartum herself and had this, you know, awakening to the fact that our traditional system is really failing others. So that is just a brief introduction to her, but I would love to hear from you, Dr. Laura Morgan Lee. What brought you to this work? What was your awakening to the failings of our system? Yeah, I love the story actually, because hello everyone. It is, um, it's just really, um, kind of clarifying to every listener that you have that this you're not alone because this happened to me. And if it happens to me, it didn't absolutely happen to anyone. So my story is, um, as you said, I am a board certified sports medicine physician. I have worked with professional athletes, NBA, NHL. I've, I've done the thing. I was a, in the doctor thing, loving it, knowing how to move, knowing the most you probably could about movement and function in your body and health and wellness and exercise and how to care for yourself optimally. I mean, these level, uh, this level of athletes, obviously, yeah. are just like, you know, they're no joke, right? They, yeah. um, um, some very, very names that I will not name drop, but some very big people, you would say. Yeah. Um, and then I got married. Um, we decided to have a baby and my pregnancy was, you know, we're going to quote unquote say easy. I mean, I had a yeah. very good pregnancy, not that any pregnancy is easy, but I didn't have right. any, you know, complications or any problems other than being advanced maternal age. Um, things were kind of squared away. And I did all the things I prepared for taking care of my daughter. Like you would not believe, right? I, I read all the books. I listened to the podcasts. I followed all those people on Instagram that everybody follows because you know, you're going to take care of this baby. And then I had her, um, she was C-section because she was persistently breech. And I got home from the hospital and I was like, how do I take care of myself? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what do I do? Um, the first few weeks, you know, obviously very tough for most mothers just because that initial newborn phase is so, so difficult. Um, and I went back for my six-week appointment with my OBGYN, who I absolutely love. And she is just fantastic and was wonderful in you know, answering my questions and educating. But that's kind of where general healthcare stops at that six-week appointment. <laughs> yeah. Not that it was great before when it comes to wellness education and such, that right. we can talk about that. But you know, it absolutely stops at that point at six weeks. And you know, I went to pelvic floor PT and they said, good. And I went to my doctor and they said, good. And it was, you know, I'm not peeing myself. My wound had finally healed. I had a little bit yeah. of complication with that. Like, but I had and they were like, bye. Yep. And I, and I was like, wait, what? That's wait, that's the end of this. That's yeah. now what do I do? Right. You know, I'm crying on my closet floor thinking, how on earth am I going to get back to functioning in the way that I know my body is supposed to function. Right. And what I meant earlier by saying that your audience, you know, should relate is I am set up for success in this, right? I am a board certified sports medicine physician. I said, a pro doc. My husband, who is my supportive partner is extremely supportive. He's also an orthopedic trauma surgeon that does pelvis surgery. So he knows yeah. how to take care of that area. And if I can't figure it out, 
what what is everyone else supposed to do? I'm set up for success here. I'm set up for success. The resources that you and I have. Yeah. And, you know, my husband's also a physician. Like I had the same moment that you did, you know, where I was looking around struggling postpartum. I have a a husband who's an emergency physician. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, the, if something bad happens to the baby, I literally have the person you have, who yeah. And still, yeah. with all of our resources, it was it's so challenging because so, nobody's paved the way. Right. And what I didn't realize was I had an advantage during my pregnancy as well because I did have all that knowledge and access and resources and support. And so I was already treating myself like an athlete, which is something that we're going to talk about later, I'm sure. And I didn't even realize it until that postpartum when I realized in that moment of, you know, usually it's like when you hit rock bottom, right? Or when you hit the bottom, you're kind of like, okay, what do I do? And I went back to my training of, oh, if I treat myself like I would one of my athletes after they had a big life event, I mean, talk about big life event, like having a baby, hello, um, or a big injury or a big surgery or whatever it is, then I started to kind of like work my way back to feeling like who I wanted to be and understanding how my body worked and what needed to happen. And, And then it clicked. That's when I was like, there's a gap. Yep. There's a huge gap in care in in this this arena, and it's almost like you know it's kind of poetic. It's like it's I can I can fix this. I yeah. can help. I can change literally change the world um, yeah. by solving this problem. So it was yeah. like in that moment once I once I got through it myself and realized what to do and how to do it, I was like, aha! I I need help. I need help. Amazing. Yeah. So talk to me. You have this beautiful perspective of you know we we obviously professional teams have so much money and so much resources that they just, that they share yeah. with their professional athletes to support their wellness. Right. Yes. And if we could ha- take just a small percentage of the way we treat professional athletes and treat moms with that. Yeah. What a revolution. Revolution. That would be. I'm getting curious yeah. just thinking about it. I, I start, I guess, yeah, pump. I start getting like, I, I did a podcast a while ago and I was thinking the same, like the more I talk about it, the more excited I get because yeah. it's more than what one physician can do, just like what you've created. You know, it's more than what one physician can do because yes, I can help an individual. Even if I was hustling, I can see so many people during a day, but this yeah. is a multidisciplinary phenomenon. This is 100%. OBGYNs learning about sports medicine and movement in a different way. This is sports medicine physicians learning about taking care of pregnant and postpartum patients. This is postpartum yeah. physical therapists, lactation consultants, you know, mood and uh, wellness providers. And this is just, it's so much bigger than what I am because it is a multidisciplinary thing when you take care of an athlete like that and you have resources and access and support and, you know, love, love to say that insurance or something like that would get involved. But in the beginning, it's going to have to be based off of, you know, cash pay resources or gift cards or support of others or institutional grants and things like that. But there is such a big thing that, that we really can do by multidisciplinary kind of managing mothers like yes. why, why do we not like they are the heart and soul I mean, of this whole process I know. yeah like, i know why we don't yeah we don't i mean the reality is is that you know we are you and i are uh we're a new thing to our yeah. healthcare system absolutely you, you know what i mean like women we've gone rogue like we're out we're out like we're doing we're doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the reality is is that by the time people like you and me um, you know, or start having kids, we are, we're so entrenched in the healthcare system because we have so much debt and we have to, you know, you have to make money. So you almost yeah. get locked into this system yeah. where questioning it becomes a huge gamble. 
Yeah. The only, the only reason I'm, I'm even able to be here is because I took a gamble and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make money for a few years. So I yeah. can hold this. That's where I'm at. And it's very uncomfortable because as you said, you know, we, I always say it's like a train. You've been on this train for so long in medicine, you get to the end of it where you can create, you know, your career and you do it. And what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish here isn't something that's valued in the traditional healthcare arena. And you say that all the time on on your platforms. It's like, you know, what was rewarded in my former employment would be seeing 35, 45, 50 patients a day, churn and burn, you know, go, go, go. And it wasn't going to work for me. And I knew that, but I didn't know how to fix it or what I could do. You know, in sports medicine, it's, it's difficult, just like an OBG, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be different. And we've kind of gone rogue. And I had to really find a way to think, I want to do this my way. And as you just said, even if I don't make any money, for a little while, you know, I, I can still put food on the table. I can still raise my family. Like I'm okay. Yeah. How, how can I do this? Because there has to be a better way. And yeah. that is like paramount to me in creating this community. And this, you know, this thing that I'm working so hard to build is I got to do it a better way because I yeah. can't just do the the traditional thing and know that it's not right. It's wrong on so many levels, so many levels. I describe doing it the way that, you know, in order to stay in the system. And I'm very, I think you and I probably would agree. I'm very thankful that there are people who are staying in the system 100%. and trying to yeah. change it from within. Yeah. I'm just yeah. too impatient. Like I'm yeah. too impatient to have stayed in the system. And I describe it as a moral injury. Yes, to, absolutely. To know that, okay, I am only able to provide this, but I know on a day by day, minute by minute, experience that yes. I, what I'm providing isn't enough. I felt like I was being torn into It is soul crushing yeah. to go to work every day and know that you're trying to provide the services that you need to provide and you're hitting your metrics and you're doing your absolute best and then it's still not enough. Yeah, It's still not yeah. enough and it's still not the right way to do it. And it, you can only do that for so long. And yes, I am so grateful for people that are in the system. And I I like I, I preach, this is not a provider problem. This isn't an OB no. problem, uh, 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 you know, a midwife problem. This is not a personal problem. I, I love I love those people, obviously, I am one of them. Um, but I think, you know, being able to step outside and look, I read something sometime that said, like, if you see a gap, if you see a problem, not only do you have a business, but in our arena, especially as physicians, you have an ethical and moral responsibility yes. to try to solve it. If you have the expertise, if you have, if you know, you can do it. And I know I can. And so like, I, at that moment when it clicked for me, I was like, okay, I have to do this. I have yeah. to find a way. I'm going to have to be scrappy. I'm going to have to hustle. I'm going to yeah. have to try to make connections. And it's it's going to be uncomfortable because that's yeah. not the way we're used to doing it. Oh, 100%. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's to like study for test, take test, yes. like follow the set path. And, you know, we really, what we make a decision. Most doctors make a decision to become a doctor when we are teenagers. Yeah. We are very, very young and we're so our idealism, like our, I'm sorry, our idealism is so beautiful because yes. we really, you, you see the problems, but you just think, you know, when I get there, it will, yeah. somehow it's going to work itself out. Yeah. And not again, not that all healthcare is bad, you know, like we both oh. know very good instances where it is absolutely necessary and done well. And, it you works. know, like it works, it does what it's got to do, but there, I mean, in, in any big organizations or institutions or, you know, corporations, whatever you want to think of them as, there's going to be, you know, issues. But I think you and I are both very uh, on board with the idea. It's not just, it's the, it's the systemic experience yeah. around healthcare too. And, you know, that's where you've done your, your thing so differently is kind of, it's like, we could just do it better. We could do it better. It's um, so much better. And these moms, yeah. they need us. They need people like us to help them 
it, again, if we are in that position when we have that life altering event that we can't see out of it and don't know what to do, like I, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I'm really excited about this, this kind of idea, this concept you have of treating moms like professional athletes. Can you kind of paint that picture for me? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's the mission that you want to share with the world? All right. So this is an evolution, right? When you create anything from scratch, obviously it has to be because it's um it's about uh, growth and development as you move forward and creating a big thing. So, you know, currently what I am establishing is educational components, right? Via social media and via one-on-one sessions for the states that I have medical licensure because there are going to people that want individualized, you know, sports medicine support, as well as group education and coaching um, that is going to be more global throughout the country. So hopefully within the next month at the most, so maybe by the time this airs, um, you'll be able to go to my website and join small groups that will grow from there five, 10 years from now, I see this being like an institute level thing, like I said a moment ago, where we have all of those different components together, where we have people sign up and they can experience, and this is going to be done, you know, virtually for the most part, because we don't want moms to have to like schlep to 10 appointments. There's no way they'll be able to do that. But if in the comfort of their own home before, as I say, during pregnancy or before, when they know what's coming, they know they're going to need help. What if they could find these, these resources all together in one institute where they could learn to take care of themselves after baby. And, you know, after that six week mark up to a year or more down the line, um, with resources for nutrition, wellness, mental health, physical yeah. health, you know, OB support, like all of the things together. So that way they just don't feel like they're forgotten. Honestly, I've said some people on social media, they've told me like, you know, they just don't even go to the six week appointment. I've heard Cause, cause like, yeah. why not? Why go? Like I've it's, heard that so many times. And it's like, it's a heartbreaking to you because I'm sure as an OB, it's extremely, it's heartbreaking to me just to think that people don't access the resources. Cause I know that you as providers have such knowledge that you Listen, I don't, I don't blame people. Yeah. I don't blame people because, you know, if you, there are, of course, this is not everybody. A lot of people go to their six week appointment, but the interesting thing is, is that there is, there is low, um, the six week appointment is one of the appointments that has the lowest show up rate. Yeah. And so what a lot of people inside the system have taken that to mean is that, well, they're not even showing up to the appointment they have. Yeah. So why would we expand? We do more. Yeah. Why would we do more? And they don't understand. No, no, no. The, the whole thing is, is that you lost their trust when you said, peace, see you in six weeks. Yes. Because when you hear from your doctor, I'll see you in six weeks, that means like, oh, okay, you're not going to need yeah, me. You're, you're good. all good. Yeah. And then they were like, no, I freaking wasn't all good. Like I needed so much support. So now it's six weeks when I'm actually, maybe I'm coming out of the fog and I'm feeling a little bit better. No, I don't, I don't want your support anymore because you weren't there for me. Yeah. And so so I don't, I don't, I think that everybody should show up to their six week appointment because I think that we can help with, and maybe it's not as much as people need, but it's something. Yeah. It breaks my heart that they don't go for the same reason. Yeah. It's like, I don't don't blame blame them. I don't blame them. No. Like I, uh, and I think that we're, we're commenting on this six week appointment and it's something that it's harped on and it's very powerful on social media and you get a lot of traction with it being like a, Oh, you go to six week and it's nothing, whatever. But like what happens after that? Because in my professional and personal opinion, there's nothing happens at six week. That's like, 
click. Okay, we're no. good to go now, right? You know, I mean, you're. Uh, yeah. I I'd argue this is at least a year. You know, having my own personal experience, For sure, at yeah. least a year. You know, like yeah. you go back Indeed. and you start to finally start moving again, and around you know six months, eight months, you maybe get a rhythm, and then around twelve months, I think I wasn't like feeling like myself as far as like movement and function as a sports medicine doctor. You know, kind of using my metrics until closer to like sixteen, eighteen months down yeah. the line because it just yeah. it takes that long. Yeah, and, and, and we're telling women at six weeks. Well, what are we telling You're on your them? own. You're like, you're, we're telling them you're okay for sex and exercise. And yep. that to me just seems when we center that, it's fine if an individual, if that's a priority to an individual, I care, can I resume yeah. penetrative intercourse? Can I get back to exercising? I think that's fine for an individual to have that as what's center to them at that moment. But for us as the healthcare system to tell you, this is what's more most important. These two things. Yeah. These two things, I think is inherently misogynistic. Yeah. What is, and, you know, get back, lose the baby weight, get your yeah. body back. And can you have penetrative intercourse? And to check the box you know? saying, you can go back to exercise. What the heck does yeah. that mean? You know, yeah. like as a, as a person that just had a human, you know, like what, what does go back to exercise mean? Like, like no instruction, no education. Like I'm cleared. What, tell me what cleared means. You know, like these are words and these are language that is not, it's not okay. You know, it's just like telling a person who is pregnant, you know, you can do whatever you were doing before. And you know, if it feels okay, it's probably okay. Yeah. Like that's, that's not enough information. That's, that's extremely vague. That's saying, I don't, I don't care enough about that problem that you're having or that, that's that thing. Cause hospital metrics back to that again, we'll harp on it, but they don't value that sort of education with the patient, right? They want to know blood pressure. They want to know, you know, uh, the different metrics around pregnancy that are not related to, are they, you know, learning about their wellness and their exercise? How's their diet? What's their emotions like? All the things that, you know, you educate on your platform. It's like, you you don't have those things included. So how, how are we as expecting that somewhere at six weeks, like, oh, now, now we're going to talk about all those things that we've ignored for the last 10 months, like never, never going to happen. Yeah. 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 And not only that, you know, that it's the education piece takes time. So much time. So much time. So much time. Yeah. It's time that the healthcare system just doesn't have, right? No. Resources, utilization, and, you know, yeah, no, just there's, there's no way if you're, especially if your, uh, your value is based off seeing a high volume of patients, which in many institutions, unfortunately it is, right? Um, you know, dedicating an hour to one patient for health and wellness education in regards to their pregnancy or postpartum experience isn't going to be something that is valued. It's just, yeah. it's just in our system, it's not. Yeah. And it, it just wouldn't happen. It, it wouldn't be no. allowed to happen. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it would be sustainable if you're thinking of healthcare as a business in the way that current health care models think of it as a business, as yeah. opposed to uh, if we can, you know, do this such a better way as we've said already. So I won't yeah. go back, but. So, so talk to me about how do you think that not just, you know, us, like the healthcare system, you as an individual, seeing yourself from the, the position of an athlete and pregnancy as, you know, you know, from that perspective and postpartum yeah. from that perspective, how do you think that specifically can change things? So we think about the pregnancy and postpartum experience like an athlete, or I do, because um, the amount of 
change that happens in that short period of time, physiologically speaking, right? So the amount of, you know, metabolic equivalence, which is like, you know, your training load and things like that, that change during pregnancy are essentially like you're training for an Ironman or a race or something like that. Like the physiologic load and demand is similar to that. You know, that's why it's harder when you walk upstairs and you can't, you know, breathe because your body's working overtime, right? Blood volume changes, all these hormones are floating through your body and change things like your ligaments and the structures of your body to be able to sort this, support this pregnancy and postpartum experience. And when you have the baby and, you know, go through childbirth, then there is this that happens, right? Um, <laughs> I can describe it. So for, for people that are on, on, on audio only, I'm like waving my arms wildly about because that's what happens. You know, hormones massively change, fluid shifts, um, hormones shift that affect emotions and things like that. So you think about um, a concussion is for a really great example. When we've studied okay. concussion, we know that when you take the athlete that has a head injury out of their sport, which is something that we have to do, they actually have poor outcomes if you don't try to keep them engaged. Because if we take them and completely isolate them, we think about yeah. the beginning of motherhood, you are completely isolated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, They do worse. There is more long-term symptoms. There is more emotional and detrimental problems. They're not connected to their teams or to their sport, to their support yeah. systems, to their social interactions, and they take longer to get better. So if they're just healing, just healing their brain injury, yeah, that that is a real phenomenon. So we take mothers, we don't educate them, we take them out of their support system, and we throw them in yeah. the dark with a newborn, you know, which is you know hellacious to begin with, right? Not yeah. sleeping, and you're in this cycle, and we give them no support, and we wonder why it, it takes them a long time to get better. It yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and then you know the physiologic fluid stuff, you know, or think about um, an ACL tear. Uh, or yeah. an injury like that. Anytime, say any surgery, for example, you know, uh, athlete comes to see me, they have a sudden injury. It's emotional. It's physical. It is going to affect their career. It's going to yeah. affect their um, kind of feeling of self similar yeah. to having a baby yeah. um, and they're out for a while. But then what do we do with them? Do we say, okay, you're out for a while. I'll see you in six weeks. And then <laughs> never again. No. no. We say, okay, you're out for a while. Here's some wellness support. Here's a mental health counselor. Here is wow. your surgeon that is going to be seeing you several times, most likely in your own home or in your training room where you're very comfortable like a home. We have an athletic training staff, which focuses on your prehab. So rehabilitating you before the injury, which was something that would be lovely. Oh my gosh. You, right. Then you have a whole team dedicated to your rehab after the injury, starting from physical therapy, which pelvic floor physical therapy, in my opinion, should not be a question. It should be a hundred percent every time. Definitely. Then, so we get through pelvic floor rehab. Like, do we say, okay, go back and play sports now? High end professional athlete. No, we say, okay, you've done your rehab. Now we have to get you back to your normal level of function, right? Because at the end of physical therapy, you are not back to being your normal self. You're just functionally complete from a rehab standpoint. So in my personal example, it was, I went to my physical therapist who was lovely. She said, okay, you're not having urinary issues. Mm -hmm. Your scar looks pretty good. You know how to massage it yourself. I've taught you a couple exercises to work on. Good luck. But at that level, you know, even eight or 12 weeks postpartum, I I wasn't where I wanted to be from a functional standpoint. I still couldn't walk upstairs without feeling I was going to fall over. And that's not where you would leave your athlete. You wouldn't say, okay, you, you know, your, your scars healed and your knee kind of works. Good luck. You would say, okay, now we have to train you in load. We have to train you for side to side movements. We have to train you for explosive movements. We have to train you for all the things that get you back to your normal level of function. And so for uh, a postpartum mother, you know, you do the pelvic floor rehab and they say, okay, but what if you wanted to exercise and your education yeah. from your doctor was you're clear, go ahead. That's yeah. not enough information. And so we wonder right. why, or I've always wondered why five, 10 years down the road, I see people coming into my clinic 
with hip pain, you know, yeah. primarily female patients, joint pain, weight that they were never able to get off from, you know, yeah. multiple pregnancies in a row or things like that, that have now added up and contributed over time to a problem that we could have solved by this athlete centered yes. mindset years and years ago. And it's, so I, I didn't even realize it until I kind of went through this process and saw it myself. But when you, when you see it in retrospect, or when I see it and think about it in retrospect, you know, I would see someone with chronic hip or pelvic pain or back pain or yes, whatever. Back and, pain. Yes. yes. <laughs> their their glute muscles are completely not firing and weak. Their core is not re-engaged. Their yep. pelvic floors are a mess. They, you know, can't keep weight management because they can't exercise and move their bodies the way they want to move for their physical and mental well-being. They feel yes. crappy about it because living in chronic pain makes you feel crappy. And yes. it all goes back to when could we have changed that? And we could have yeah. changed it in this phenomenon, in this phase, so much more if we would have just thought of it this way. And so, like, I'm getting fired up now because like, I every time too. I think I'm, about it, like, I just you're bringing, me, you're bringing me to so tears much. just thinking about, you know, and I didn't even realize that athletes, I, I knew that athletes had resources when they were going through injuries. Like, I knew that, yeah. but I don't think I understood the the level. Like, I didn't realize that you y'all were providing mental health support as somebody was yeah. dealing with an injury, which is, There's, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, They're, that is incredible. I mean, I, they get specific nutrition advice. They get mental health support. They have physicians, both the surgeon and non-surgeons. They have chiropractors. They have massage therapists. They have, and most of these providers, maybe not the mental health coming to the games, but they do have, we're all at the games. You know, we're all in their locker rooms and training rooms during the week on multiple times. So that way they can access, they can come see us in the clinic with a text message. Yeah. And they have an athletic trainer who is a steward, if you will, yeah. that connects them to all these points and says, hey, I know you really well, Bob Smith. You've yeah. been struggling with this injury. Why don't we have you talk to this person? Why don't we have you talk to this person? Why don't you come see doc? Why don't you go down and do this? Why don't you like, and so that person, it was, you know, kind of the role that I wish to have that five tiers down the road when I have this yeah. bigger institute is, you know, directing the care in a way that you just get maximum support. Yeah. And you don't have yeah. to use all of them. If you don't feel like yeah. you need them, that's fine. But like, imagine if you had all of the support you could never even hope to have, like, it would just be amazing. Amazing. I mean, and even... That's the thing is, is that, you know, hopefully I think you and I both hope that when we're little old ladies, we will have, we will have just pushed yep. culture and just a little bit closer to where we are with how we take care of these professional athletes, how yep. we care for, you know, some of the people in our society and really yep. at the end of the day, mothers have just, they are the most crucial component of our society yes yes so crucial i mean so much unpaid labor to 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 you know create yeah generations and you know we are foundational we are so foundational in a way that you know professional athletes my i'm the daughter of a of a pro athlete yeah yeah i love that i like I have a, a, a real appreciation for what they do and the happiness Absolutely. they bring to yeah. so many people. And, you know, they are so well paid because we as a society, we, you know, we yes. pay you for them to entertain us and inspire yeah. us. And so I'm not saying like, oh, you know, professional athletes bad, we should not pay them. And, but if we could just take a percentage yeah. of the way that we put them on a pedestal and hold them and support them and fund their recovery for their injuries. If we could just take a percentage and direct that towards the the, the people who um, are the reason why we're all here. Yeah. I that think it's really lovely. It's, it is a model 
for how we would take care of someone in the most supreme condition and phase of being, right? And so if we take that model and like you said, take take a little piece, take the concepts, obviously not at the grand financial scale because that yeah. is just not the way society is developed. Yeah. But like take that model and how can we use that to support our you know, principal human race generators and caregivers. And, you know, more often than not as mothers, we are the ones that are kind of doing all the things. And also, you know, we haven't said yet, but it is supremely common that we also take care of ourselves last. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we make it hard in a system without education and support, like we have to even do things like access postpartum physical therapy, which is hard. If you don't know to ask for it, getting the appointments, your insurance may or may not cover it. The support that you have, like we're making it difficult. If we do that uh, for a mother who already is probably going to put herself lower down on the totem pole to her family, um, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So we need to take this model and say, okay, we have all of these resources for you. This is how we're going to help you and make it as easy as possible for you to get the care that you deserve. So that way you can be strong. You can be a model for your family. You can be a model for your community. You can do all the things you can change the world in ways that, you know, we can as physicians, you can go off and feel confident and comfortable in your own skin and powered. And, you know, all of those things that we know you can do. It's, um, it's just, it gives me chills because it can be something that would literally change the world. It can change so many things. You better support mothers. That, that's why I do what I do. Because yeah. I believe that if you better support mothers, you change those families and you change the world. A hundred, we will have a better, yes. kinder, you know, just that light is reflected so much when you invest in mothers and women. Yes. I could not agree more. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I love all of this. This is wonderful. Where can people find more of you, support your mission, learn more about what you're doing? Tell us all the things. All right. So I am on all social media, Instagram, and just new on TikTok at uh, Sports Sports Dr. Morgan. Um, and the goal of that, you know, I'm never trying to be an Instagram celebrity. That's there's just I'm I'm not an influencer. You're not going to get to buy shoes from me or anything like that. Although I like shoes. Um, <laughs> my goal is to create a community, as we have talked about on this already. Is I want people to be supported by others. So what if you not only could get advice from me, but also from other moms that have been there and done that, been in that experience, and eventually as we grow, you know, OBs, lactation consultants, etc. So it's a community. It's supposed to be fun. And energetic. I don't want to be boring healthcare. That is not my vibe. I am who I am when you meet me and you're going to get that on social media. Um, it's, it's, um, it's really important to me that it is, is that kind of a brand and something that you should feel comfortable as a community. in. it's not stark. It's not boring. It's not, I know more than you. It's, it's not traditional healthcare, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also over on my website, um, sportsdrmorgan.com has all of my personal information, all of my credentials, if you want those. And hopefully within the next month, like I said, it'll have access to one-on-one if you're in the States of Illinois, Arizona, and California, because those are the cool. States that I currently have licensure as well as group coaching, which will be open to anyone and everyone. And um, someday down the road, maybe some digital courses and things like that that you can uh, also get. But in the beginning, it'll be some group empowerment and we're going to build this together. Amazing. I love it. It was so great to talk to you. And it's so great to talk to somebody who has such a similar mission to me. Yeah. A slightly different way of going about it. I just think it's so cool. And what that tells me is the fact that you and I are both seeing the same thing and both really want to make this better. It tells me that, you know, where the, the, the world will also wake up 
to this. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to do it. And I'm, I'm here to augment, like I'm not, I'm not an OB and I will never pretend to be right. This is, you have your platform and your role, which is way, way important. And I think the way I think about things that we've talked about today is it's like, there's an extension here. There is this, and what happens next phenomenon where even if you get all of the information and the education and everything, and you, you get to the quote unquote end of this phase, which we've both decided doesn't really end. Um, you know, there's just, there's so much more we can offer. So thank you so much for having me. And it has been awesome to chat. I feel so empowered myself, just like energized to have another person that feels the same way. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. And so you are sports Dr. Morgan across the board. All the things. Instagram, TikTok. All right. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. You have uh, shared something that I think is really, really important. And You've you've fired me up too, so I just I love <laughs> awesome. this conversation. That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you were looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available for your pregnancy.